Just a quick disclaimer that the information provided in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. We're not registered dietitians or doctors or specialists or anything like that. We're just two university students who are interested in these topics. Therefore, everything we talk about is through our own research and not through any qualification. We will be talking about diets, exercise and perhaps calorie tracking in this episode. So if you do find this triggering, please feel free to skip this one. Please do not take this as medical advice and contact your own medical team to sort out your own unique needs. Welcome back to The Growth Medium, where we talk about the different issues through a scientific perspective. We're your hosts, I'm Sarah. And I'm Mim. Today, we're bringing a different style of episode. Sarah and I are going to talk about everyone's favourite topic, and we'll be later joined by doctor, YouTuber and podcaster, Ali Abdal. Yes, a new format for us, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it too. Mim and I are going to talk about working out, why it's beneficial for physical and mental health, and then talk to Ali about his own fitness journey. So yeah, let's get stuck into it. Sarah, what's your workout regime looking like right now? Well, right now, I've become a fan of running. Not too regularly, but with COVID, not being able to go to the gym, which I prefer, has led me to just finding any type of exercise to get my body moving. But once I got into it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. You stop running out of breath once you get used to it, and it becomes really enjoyable especially if the weather is cooperating oh wow I've never been able to get into running I'm not like a cardio fan at all I've like had experiences where I've had to like walk home from uni in like the pour in pouring rain because obviously it rains so much London so I can't imagine having to run in that situation as well I don't run in the rain like I can't do that either Mm -hmm. it gets really muddy and slippery no no not for me it has to be early morning or early evening yeah because I think that's when it's the coolest especially because it's been summer and and everything I can't run in the heat or rain very specific that doesn't tend to happen in London either so very specific weather conditions but yeah it, it works do you experience that runners high after you run Yes, I I do. You come home feeling refreshed, full of energy, pumped. Uh, And I think it's because of the endorphins that are released. But I don't know specifically what it does for us. Yeah, you know, I've actually looked into, obviously, when I did the research for this episode, I didn't find much on it. But loads of doctors, NHS, CDC, and even self-care Twitter claims that exercise is really good for your mental well-being. But I think it's more kind of multi-layered than people think. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine, especially when it comes to depression for example right now we follow the monoamine theory which suggests that a major contributing factor to the onset of depression is the decrease in chemicals brain chemicals like serotonin epinephrine and or dopamine yeah and what kind of i found through my research is that aerobic exercise like swimming running riding a bike particularly swimming actually uh what it does is it first it sends a rush of endorphins right after you exercise which we've kind of known this um but it also sends serotonin which is kind of the feel good hormone and that kind of gives you that temporary high and makes you feel really like happy i guess after you work out 
Yeah, definitely. It makes a lot of sense because during the workout, even before you're really demotivated and you have to really push yourself to get out the door and go for that run. Mm-hmm. Um, but then afterwards, you feel amazing. Yeah, exactly. I love going to the gym, but when I'm like lifting, I think, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. I just want to stop. Why did I come here? But it's on my way home that I'm like, yeah, that was a really good workout. Mm hmm. So where do endorphins come into this then? Good question. So endorphins are actually analgesic. And what that means is that they're kind of the body's natural pain relievers. So they help reduce the perception of pain in your body and your brain's perception of pain. Yeah, right. So it also makes you feel good, doesn't it? Some people say it's like morphine. I I wouldn't know about that. (laughs) Me either. But... (laughs) But yeah, so exercise does give us like a mental boost. It can it can be a great stress reliever as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about you, but when I'm at the gym or when I'm working out, I really do forget about the problems in my life and just focus on my fitness goals and, you know, getting my personal best, etc. And just trying to kind of release any anger or negativity. Yeah, definitely. I do get what you mean. It's really helpful for getting rid of any pent-up energy, a restlessness that you feel. Even when you're stressed, if you have a lot of work, you're like, oh, I need to get it done. It's still worth going for like a little run or anything because you'll feel so much better and less anxious. And you know what? That anxious thing is actually quite interesting. Um, We know that exercising is good for our mental health. Uh, Very like... There's a correlation there for sure. And it's also good for cardiovascular health because exercise often mimics to an acute level the same anxiety that would kind of cause a fight or flight response. So it's kind of, it's good on the mental health front because it kind of gives you that exposure therapy to stressful situations so that when someone who, this is all a maybe by the way, like we don't, We haven't studied this enough to know uh, for sure that this is what happens. But from the early research, what we can see is that this kind of exposure to acute stress through exercise is really good for someone who might have general anxiety, especially in adults. And it's because it kind of prepares their body for a situation that might be more stressful and it kind of reduces any anxiety symptoms that they may have in that more stressful environment. See, you guys, you should definitely go running. Well, not running, but exercise. We should all aim to exercise a little bit more. I know I can say that for myself anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's kind of on the hormonal level as well. Uh, You can see in the papers that I've linked in the show notes. It's kind of... So we've got the already exposure therapy therapy part of it but we've also got the hormonal part where exercise generally lowers the body's level of cortisol and i'm sure you guys know cortisol is the stress hormone i'm sure sarah can relate but cortisol is sky high when exams are here (laughs) yeah a regular dose of cortisol every year every single year it just rushes up multiple times a year not even every single year multiple times a year (laughs) multiple I wasn't able to find the mechanism or anything for this, but I'm sure, you know, you guys are actually quite happy about that because, you know, mechanisms, who wants to learn mechanisms? Oh, it brings me back to my A-level days. I I think I'd be, I would be interested in it, but for now, let's just stay away from anything mechanisms. Yeah, I mean, mechanisms still scare me and I'm literally a biochemistry undergrad, so, but they're really useful for making sense of how chemicals work in the body. Mm -hmm. right now let's move on to general recommendations for the public 
Yeah. So I think what this part is going to be what's useful, most useful to people. But as I've said in the disclaimer already, please do consult your doctor before drastically changing your exercise regime. Mm, absolutely please guys do consult with your doctors now the uh nhs and cdc recommends that people get around 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise a week yeah and that sounds quite subjective but generally what they consider moderate exercise is anything that increases your heart rate just a little bit makes you feel a little bit warmer and you should be able to talk but not sing well that last metric is kind of interesting (laughs) i mean yeah could you imagine singing yeah (laughs) just to check that you're doing moderate intensity exercise but then generally exercise that generally falls in this category would be some brisk walking riding a bike rollerblading so on you guys get the the you know yeah all really fun things and i know people get really intimidated when they hear 150 minutes but really that's only about doing like 30 minutes of low-key exercise about five times a week did i do the math right on that yeah you did you did (laughs) oh my god well done me so i guess one way that i could really implement this pretty easily is walking to my uni what about you sarah well i definitely think my journey to uni would be would pretty much cover those 150 minutes weekly but since we're in a pandemic and i probably won't go go to uni as regularly um I take a little stroll out to the park with my family sometimes. Cleaning up the house. I don't know. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I Cleaning up the house it takes a lot of energy. <laughs> Some intense hoovering. <laughs> but yeah, little bits of activity. Yeah, little bits of activity do quickly add up. So don't stress. Just try your best. Yeah, just try your best. We'll have some infographics up on our Instagram at The Growth Medium and on our website as well. So you guys can get more inspiration as to what kind of exercises to include. And just as a PSA, actually, it doesn't have to be 150 minutes of moderate intensity. It can also be 75 minutes of high intensity. Yeah, feel free to go to go the extra mile. Definitely. Yeah, we'll we'll have more information on our Instagram anyway about this. That would. Yeah, it should be helpful. Um, so let's talk about the elephant in the room a little bit. We've mentioned it previously a little bit before, um, but lockdown and coronavirus. Obviously, people don't still don't want to go to the gym or to classes because they have to stay cautious and rightly so. Um, so people may be missing out on their lunchtime walks because they're at home. Oh gosh, yeah. Since lockdown, I've been way less active in terms of just how much I'm out and about, walking around. I've just been sat on my desk for hours during the day. Mm. Well, like I've mentioned, I tried the whole running thing a few times a week to mitigate it, you know, to mitigate against the risk of sitting down for a long period of time. Yeah, and the risks for sitting down at like for a long period of time are actually quite profound. And unfortunately, just having one exercise session a day doesn't really, you know, stop that risk from happening. Uh, sitting down too long is kind of linked to increasing increasing heart disease and slowing your metabolism, which is definitely not ideal for you gym goers who are trying to make some gains. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but if I sit too long at my desk, then my lower back tends to hurt a lot. So some people like Ali Abdal like using a standing desk to prevent that from happening and also prevent chronic lower back pain when he's older. 
smooth transition, Sarah. We're now going to go into the second portion of this episode where we talk to Ali Abdal about his own fitness journey, his own fitness goal. He wants to be a Gymshark athlete. So that's super interesting. And we hope you enjoy that. So thank you for being with us today, Ali. Do you mind just telling us a bit more about yourself? Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, I'm a, a doctor, YouTuber, and podcaster. I've been a doctor for two years now, having gone through six years of medical school. Uh, and while I was at university, I set up a YouTube channel, which is now kind of becoming the thing that I am best known for on the internet. So people view me as some sort of productivity guru, which is a bit weird because that's never what I set out to do. Um, but yeah, to be honest, I actually don't know a lot about health, fitness and exercise. It's an area that I'm trying to learn more about myself uh, on my dream of becoming a jib shark athlete. So I am just as in the dark as probably most of our listeners. <laughs> don't worry, Ali. I guess you're going to be learning with us today as well. So let's go into your career a little bit. So in terms of your YouTube career, you've just surpassed 1 million subscribers. So congratulations on that. Thank you. But in terms of your medical career, you've just also finished your F2 year, right? Yeah. Well, for those who don't know, F2 refers to foundation year two. And it's the last year of a junior doctor's foundation teaching. And these are the two years where um, newly graduated med students are able to practice their medical skills and prepare for being a registered doctor. Yeah. How did you find it? It's really fun. Well, hmm. let me revise that statement. So med school is really fun. Uh, Being a doctor is less fun, but it's kind of fun in a different way. It's less fun because now going into work is no longer an option. Uh, Whereas when you're a medical student, every day you make that decision of, do I really want to go in today? Do I not? And you have a lot of free time on your hands to just hang out with friends. When you start working, it becomes fun in that you start to actually feel useful and you start to feel like you're actually doing something rather than just getting in the way. But it becomes less fun because it's now no longer optional. Um, (laughs) But overall, yeah, a great two years. I'm really glad I did it. Um, But right now I'm, I'm taking a bit of a break. So I've been unemployed for about a month now and I am currently loving unemployment life that's good that's good information for Zara I guess that's great yeah it's good to know just gathering as much information as I can uh, before going in I'm excited so I don't know how my perspective is going to change once I start yeah I, you're a first year now right so you've got absolutely ages to go exactly <laughs> Emma enjoy medical school it's a lot more fun <laughs> good to know good to know um, all right then. So as part as uh, your training as a junior doctor, you complete clinical rotations in different areas of medicine. Can you just explain w- what that means? Yeah. So when you start off as a junior doctor for the first two years of the foundation program, you tend to do six different rotations. So three each year and each of them last for four months. So usually you have like a broad mix of various different things. So for example, I started off on cardiology and then I moved on to geriatrics, so care of the elderly, and then I moved on to general surgery. And then usually you'd change to another hospital in your second year. And so there I did psychiatry and then obstetrics and gynecology. And then because COVID happened, uh, we all kind of stayed on our same placements because they didn't want to do a switch over in April because that would have caused too much disruption. So I ended up having eight months of obstetrics and gynecology. So I now consider myself a armchair expert in early pregnancy bleeding and stuff like that. Uh, But (laughs) I, I didn't get to do my stroke placement, which would have been my final one thanks to COVID. So let's talk a bit more about your your goals. And outside of being a doctor, I think you have your own fitness goals, as most people would do. And um, but I think some people's goals are slightly influenced by um, societal pressures and surround, surrounding like what a body should should look like or be. Um, so do you have any you know points to add to that and any reasons why you think that's the case? 
my goal is, you know, number one, to become a Gymshark athlete, because I think that would be fun. Uh, and number two, I think my ideal body type would be, uh, have, have you guys ever seen those, those TV shows on the CW network? So things like uh, Gossip Girl, 90210, Vampire Diaries, that level of, of stuff. I actually haven't. I don't really watch um, those kind of things, but tell us a bit more. Yeah, so uh, essentially, if you if you imagine a stereotypical like TV show aimed at like teenagers, where like the cast is like in high school, but it's actually played by people in their twenties and thirties pretending to be high schoolers, uh, the kind of ideal male body type <laughs> in that show is kind of what I want to go for. So not someone who's like super mega ripped and they're like a bodybuilder, but someone who's like you know lean toned when they take the top off during like a sex scene or something, you see like a little bit of a six pack, you know, that kind of vibe uh, has always been my ideal body type. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to go for, which is very much societally influenced. So, uh, you know, I'm just a, a, a sheep to the, uh, uh, the, the, the pitfalls of, of society. I mean, that's fine. Everyone has their own, you know, goals and, and aims in life. So, yeah, but you know, I do feel like the pressure can be influenced by society differently for guys versus girls. So from what I've seen, obviously going to a girl school and uh, from Instagram and traditional media is that there's a pressure for girls to be as thin as possible and to eat as less as possible. Now, obviously, I don't know what the pressure is for guys, but I can imagine it's, you know, try to get as ripped as possible type of thing. Um, Did you feel any of this pressure as you were growing up and has it impacted your fitness goals at all? Honestly, no. Like, I think it, it really sucks to be a girl in this regard. Um, like, I, 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 I can't imagine the various pressures that people are going through. And this, this is something I, I often enjoy, enjoy talking to my female friends about, about kind of what is actually the experience of kind of being a girl growing up like in, in school in terms of kind of how, how much you weigh, what you look like, how much makeup you wear. I think that's all so interesting because as a guy, there really isn't any of that, especially, you know, I, I went to a boys school. No one really cares how you look. Yes, when you get into sixth form um, and the girls came into sixth form, then the guys who were on the football team, you know, <laughs> you know they ended up hanging hanging out with the most girls or whatever. But, if, you know, for me and my nerd friends, body image and body type and how, how you looked really wasn't a thing. I think if you're I think if you're very fat <laughs> in a boys school, then you will get ripped mercil- uh, mercilessly. But I feel like it's certainly not as bad as it would have been if I were a girl in that situation. But again, I have no idea about uh, the experience of, of the female race, as they say. You know what? That's actually really interesting because I've seen a lot of, you know, guys on YouTube who have been bullied in school for this kind of thing. And then that's kind of influenced the way that they uh, shape their body now. So that leads us nicely into your Gymshark goal then. So you've said for the last two years that you want to be a Gymshark athlete and you've kind of set this goal as a way to motivate yourself to get to the gym. And you said that you enjoy it as it's kind of playing a mind game with yourself. But is there a legitimate psychological basis for um, such a ambitious goal setting uh apparently uh i was I, I i did a youtube live stream with a guy yesterday who's a a psychologist and has written a book about uh willpower and personality got his book personality isn't permanent uh he's done a lot of research into this idea of how having a goal actually leads to motivation to do the thing um he he, he argues that we are all outcome focused in some sense or another everything we do is is in service of some some kind of outcome whether or not whether we like it or not and whether we consciously are aware of it or not so the fact that you and you and i are doing this podcast is going towards some outcome where i have an outcome in mind you have an outcome in mind and so on um and apparently when it comes to goals setting a goal 
it does help you kind of set a direction. And for example, in moments where you are, you feel like you're lacking motivation, thinking about the goal and thinking about how uh, it's, it's about measuring the gain, not the gap. So if I kind of look at myself and then be like, look at the gap between me and my ideal body type, that's not necessarily a good way of thinking about it because then I'm in this perpetual state of unhappiness and dissatisfaction. But if I look at myself now and look how I was three months ago and the difference that I've made uh, in that time, because I'm kind of comparing myself to my previous self, that small success leads to motivation, which sustains um, the habit to do the thing. And so in a way, the goal sets the direction and then you kind of forget about the goal and you focus on the process, the system for getting there. And so for me, when it comes to being a Gymshark athlete, I actually don't really care about becoming a Gymshark athlete. I care about the journey of becoming a Gymshark athlete, which is the far more interesting part. Journey before destination. Uh, or as Miley Cyrus says, it's it's the climb. How do you think it's worked out during lockdown? Has it impacted the journey? Has it put it on hold or? Um, no, so during lockdown, I actually, uh, I I put on more muscle than I did pre-lockdown because I, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to take this seriously. I did one of these podcasts uh, with a guy who happened to be a personal trainer. Uh, and I said, Hey man, do you want to coach me? And he was like, yeah, sure. So I, I, he became like my online personal trainer coach guy. And he gave me all these exercises to do. And I was, you know, counting my calories and macros and weighing myself on my Wi-Fi enabled smart scales every morning to track my weight. And it was just quite fun kind of playing that game with my body, like this uh, one man science experiment. Um, and I started getting comments on my YouTube videos being like, Oh mate, your, your biceps are getting bigger. Well done. Hashtag Gymshark athlete. And I'm like, yes, this is motivation to continue to sustain the uh, kind of motivation to get there that's probably actually really good to hear that you know that other people are noticing yeah man i love it it's like the best compliment ever <laughs> so earlier in this episode we did talk a little bit about how um there's a kind of recommendation by the nhs and cdc to do 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise a week however that doesn't really mitigate against the potential harmful effects of sitting down for a long time i think sarah's got a little bit more information about this so like on average an adult would sit around for seven hours a day in front of the desk doing work so on but then the minimum level of exercise doesn't really mitigate against these uh, some risks like uh increased uh, blood pressure and like regulating um sugar levels and stuff so do you have any ideas how we can mitigate against that uh no <laughs> other than follow basic lifestyle advice <laughs> so which is eat healthy exercise i have a very very kind of surface level understanding of all of this stuff um and anything i say would just be common sense to to everyone else i'm afraid that's fine i think the general idea is that when you're sitting down for a long time you know six seven eight hours for a lot of us especially at home during coronavirus um the general idea is that you should kind of get up every once in a while and take a walk for like 15 minutes. Just get up and stand around, walk around your area. I think it kind of works really well with working techniques as well, such as a 45 minute Pomodoro. And then that 15 minute break, you go and take a walk around your area. Um, so I guess that's one way you could kind of introduce more activity as well. And I use a standing desk personally, so I avoid sitting for extended periods of time. Do you find there's a difference in like the quality of work you do when standing up versus sitting down? Oh yeah, huge. If I'm sitting down, I'm so tempted to just slouch. When I'm standing up, I'm like, right, I'm in work mode right now. I have my, you know, film score instrumental playlist banging on Spotify in the background. And then I'm like, yeah, I kind of rock on this mat that I'm standing on occasionally. And I kind of feel a bit more, a bit more fluid, a bit more balanced. That's great. That's um, Maybe we should try. I don't know. I've, I've never thought of standing and doing my work. Is it just like computer, what typing and everything that you do standing up? 
Uh, no, even for like medicine stuff, if I'm, I mean, like all my, all my medicine stuff is based on a computer anyway, because uh, who uses textbooks these days? Uh, so, you know, essentially everything I do is on a computer. Therefore, I will just do it standing up. Okay. So I guess it's something to try out. I don't think a lot of people, do, well, I don't know. Do, do you try that, Mim? No, I'm actually kind of terrified of working standing up. Why does that scare you? Have you guys ever worked in like a retail job? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Is that not the one? Yeah, so I worked in a retail job for about, it wasn't even that long, but this was during one of my university summers and I would be on my feet, you know, eight, nine, ten Oof. hours a day because obviously there's the commute to work and the commute back as well. And it, it was just not fun. <laughs> so that's not something, you know, after work, you just want to come home and sit down. So I kind of still have that in me. Uh, fair enough <laughs> it kind of makes sense to me though because when I'm sitting at a desk for example studying for exam and everything you get up with crazy pain at the back of your uh the bottom of your back and you know you just if there's a way to mitigate that and just just by standing and doing work definitely give it a try yeah mate the standing desk thing is so good it's it's changed my life in the last like year since I've started doing it I'm I'm terrified of getting chronic back pain when I'm older. I've seen so many patients with it. It's just like the worst thing ever. So I'm like, while I'm in my 20s, I want to do everything I can to mitigate the risk of having crippling back pain when I'm older. Coming off of your experience as a junior doctor, do you think you've had any cases on your rotation where you think that maybe a little running or exercise could have helped this patient? It's hard to disentangle exercise from just being obese. Obesity is just like, in from, from what I've seen, is just absolutely terrible, especially if you are old and obese. Um... You know, the, the, there's a guy called Charlie Munger who's like a famous investor guy. He says that he he talks about aging, and he says being old isn't isn't the problem. Being old and fat is the problem. And I think anything we can do to reduce <laughs> the obesity epidemic will will benefit people. Um, but yeah, I I I don't know much about this topic. It just you know becomes especially when you work in a hospital where a lot of people are obese. It becomes so apparent that obesity is such a huge problem and if, if exercise can help to reduce the incidence of that although apparently it's like 90% nutrition 10% exercise then that's only going to be a good thing okay so last question do you have any tips for anyone who's looking to be more active I think the main thing is kind of find something you enjoy doing I think we often view exercise as a necessary evil like oh my god I have to do this exercise thing and this is sort of how sometimes I view going to the gym, like, oh, it's such a hardship. I have to go to the gym rather than sit on my ass and watch Netflix. But I think it's a lot, a lot of it is about finding stuff that you enjoy and reframing it as being like a fun thing. So, you know, I really enjoy playing squash, badminton and tennis. And so I'll find ways to do that in my life. I absolutely hate running. I think it's boring as hell. <laughs> like, why would you just enjoy running? Um, but I think often what we, the exercise that we prescribe to people who are unfit or, you know, don't exercise much is, hey, why don't you go for a run? And that's just boring. Like no one wants to do that. I think if you, there, there, there are so many like, like I'm, I'm, I'm in Cambridge at the moment and there's so many like badminton clubs here for like over 50s. And I'm like, you know, this kind of sucks because I want to join a badminton club, but I'm not over 50. <laughs> uh, uh, and so just doing something that's social, that's fun, that I think would be the way for people who don't exercise rather than thinking, oh, I guess I have to run now. Yeah, I can definitely second that. It doesn't always have to be a gym or running or anything like that. It's something that you should test out and see what you enjoy. I really like going to the gym, but I have friends who really don't like it. So we kind of compromise and, you know, sometimes go to the gym, but then sometimes also go to like boxing or Pilates classes, something like that. But it's just important to have something that gets your heart rate up. Yeah, man. would recommend squash. Squash is sick. Never actually played squash. 
Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's like amazing. I tried it out at university and I instantly fell in love. Yeah, it's good that you found something you enjoy. So I think that's where we're going to end off for today's episode. Thank you, Ali, for chatting with us. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. And I apologize. I don't know anything about exercise. I need to, I need to work on that. I mean, there aren't a lot of evidence-based uh, research studies into this as well. So it may, kind of makes sense that, you know, it's not well known. And we don't, we just, it's a discussion and about different goals and stuff. So I'm glad we got to, to talk to you today. Nice. Well, thank you very much for having me. Uh, all our references and more information will be available on our website. So make sure to check that out. Um, and we've got some infographics uh, up there for you guys. And we'll also link these in the show notes. Yeah, make sure to follow Ali on Instagram and the rest of his socials. They'll all be linked in the show notes for this episode. And make sure to DM or comment on our latest post on Instagram. What your workout regime is looking like because I could really use some inspiration. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure to join us next week where we're going to be talking about the keto diet. It will just be Mim and I for that episode, but see you guys next week.